0: Welcome to the Legacy Teachings of Bill Anzovino, pastor of Christian Assembly Church since 1979. Though these teachings are decades old, we invite you to get out your Bible, take notes, and get ready to receive the uncompromised teaching of God's Word. For more information about Christian Assembly Church, please visit us online at cafamily.net. So if you brought your Bibles with you uh, this morning, would you kindly turn with me to the book of Deuteronomy? Deuteronomy, chapter 10, and verse 8 we're going to look at. First, let's pray together. Our Heavenly Father, it's with great joy and delight we come into your presence yes. to thank you for your holy written word. Yes. Knowing that we can trust our lives to its provisions. We thank you, dear Father God, for the privilege of studying it by the enlightenment of your spirit. We invite your spirit right now to enlarge our capacity to receive revelation knowledge this morning. Believing we will be quickened by your word. will be changed, dear Father God, that we may go forth and carry out the purpose of your will. I thank you for utterance to proclaim with boldness and accuracy this knowledge of the truth that will make us free and enable us, dear Father God, to be equipped to deliver others. We'll give you all the honor and glory and praise for all that's accomplished in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Deuteronomy chapter 10 and verse 8, I'm going to review a few things. We talked about ministering unto the Lord not too long ago. I'd like to review some things to get us all caught up and then we'll go a little bit further. Verse 8 says, At that time the Lord separated the tribe of Levi to bear the ark of the covenant of the Lord, to stand before the Lord, to minister unto Him, and to bless His name unto this day. I want you to notice that God appointed the Levites, or the Levitical priesthood, for the purpose of bearing the ark of the covenant, which is really bearing His presence. Also, to stand before Him. Also, to minister to Him, or to give service to Him. To give service to Him. And then, to bless His name. That was their responsibility. To bear the presence of God, the Ark of the Covenant. To stand before Him, to minister or do service unto Him, and then, of course, to constantly or continuously bless His holy name. The Father is deserving of that kind of special attention. Don't you believe that? Yes. And so to see to it that He received that special attention, He set apart these Levites. And they stood in that office. And they ministered unto Him constantly. Well, in Second Chronicles chapter 5, if you'll turn there with me, we saw that as they stood in this office and fulfilled the plan and purpose of God for their lives... They're responsible for enhancing the manifest presence of God among the people. Beloved, we don't want an empty experience when it comes to what we believe about God. We don't want empty religion or ritualism, do we? We want reality. Amen? Amen? With the living God. If we don't have reality, what do we have? We have nothing. It's not enough to know that God's there. We want to know that He is there to touch our lives. To meet our needs. Amen? Amen. Absolutely. Well, if we never experience His manifested presence, how will we ever know that? And right here you can see as they stood in their offices, look what took place in verse 11. And it came to pass when the priests were come out of the holy place, for all the priests that were present were sanctified and did not then wait by course. Also the Levites, which were the singers, all of them of Asaph, and Heman, and Jeduthun, with their sons and their brethren, being arrayed in white linen, having cymbals and salaries and harps, stood at the east end of the altar, and with them a hundred and twenty priests, sounding with trumpets. Came even to pass, as the trumpeters and singers were as one. There's the key. They were as one. To make one sound and, or to be heard rather in praising and thanking the Lord... And when they lifted up their voice with the trumpets and cymbals and instruments of music, and praised the Lord, saying, For He is good, for His mercy endureth forever, that then... Everybody say, then. Then. means what? When? Then. Well, when? Well, when they became one. When they made one sound. When they lifted up their voice. And when they praised the Lord and said, He's good. That then... The house was filled with the cloud, even the house of the Lord, so that the priests could not stand. Notice the priests could not stand to minister by reason of the cloud. For the glory of the Lord had filled the house of God. As a result of taking their place and fulfilling their office, God blessed them with his manifest presence. In such a manner... That they couldn't even stand to minister because of the presence of God being so gloriously manifested among them. Well, beloved, the Levit- Levitical priesthood since that time has been abolished along with its sacrificial system. And we all know that. But do we all recognize and realize that a new order and a new system has been established since that time? Look at First Peter chapter 2. Since that time, God has raised up a brand new priesthood. He has established a brand new priesthood. In 1 Peter 2, verse 5 says, "Ye also, as lively stones, are built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood. Say it with me. I am a priest unto God in the holy priesthood. Now look at verse 9. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood. We are a holy priesthood. We are a royal priesthood. You didn't know that you were in the priesthood, did you? You are a priest unto God. Whether we realize it or not, we are priests before God. Because the Bible says that when Jesus died, rose again... And then washed us from our sins. In His own blood, He made us kings and priests unto God. We are priests unto God. Amen? Well, although the system has been changed, beloved, the purpose has not. They offered up those sacrifices to minister to the Father to realize His manifest presence. That has not changed. The system has changed. We no longer offer up Blood sacrifices. But through Christ, beloved, every believer is a priest unto God. Now listen. To bear his presence. See, we often say it, but do we really realize it? You bear the ark of God. Like those Levites did. The ark of God is here now. We bear the presence of God. Everywhere we go. We are the temple of the living God. We bear the presence of God. So we are priests as they were to bear the presence of God and to minister unto Him as we stand before Him. Isn't that what they did back there in Deuteronomy 10 8? They stood before Him to minister unto Him or to do service unto Him and to bless His name. Well, that's exactly what we are to fulfill in our lives today. We said the Levites offered... Blood sacrifices, animal sacrifices, but as you look at these verses, back up to verse 5. We are on holy priesthood, in the middle of the verse, to offer up. To offer up. See, they offered up animal sacrifices. They offered up blood sacrifices. We offer up spiritual sacrifices, acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. Do you realize if you offered up an animal sacrifice today, it would be unacceptable before God? Amen. God would not accept it. We offer up spiritual sacrifices unto God that are acceptable through Jesus Christ. Why? Because His blood sacrifice was the last blood sacrifice to be offered. Right. Amen. And anything that would take away from the blood of Christ is unacceptable to God. We can't bring good works or good deeds and say, I'm offering this up to you. He will not accept it. The blood has already been accepted by the Father. We offer up spiritual sacrifices unto the Father through Jesus Christ. Well, can we better explain that? Look at Psalm 100. Under the Old Testament priesthood, under the Old Covenant The people of God had limited access to the Father's presence. They could not fully enter into the Father's presence because the blood that was shed for their sins was not sufficient to remit their sins. Their sins were only covered. And therefore, they had no approach to the holiest presence of the Almighty. Only the high priest once a year could enter in with great precaution, and that's all. And if he didn't, he would die. They'd have to pull him out with the rope. We have unlimited access to the Father's presence. We are in the royal and holy priesthood. And by the blood that was shed and offered up for our sins, our sins are remitted, and we can enter into the holiest place and presence of all. Verse 1 says, Make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands. Serve the Lord. Now remember, to minister means to do service. Two. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before His presence with singing. This is fulfilled in us. Let's read on. Know ye that the Lord, He is God. It is He that made us and not we ourselves. We are His people and the sheep of His pasture. Enter into His gates with thanksgiving. Now, you have to realize they couldn't enter that gate without an animal sacrifice. If you did not have an animal sacrifice, you were turned away. See, beloved, it's hard for us to, to relate back then. But remember, we're talking about walking up to this tabernacle, walking up to this place out there in the wilderness, walking up to this place, and there we see the gate. Beyond that gate is the outer court. Then there's the holy place and the most holy place where the Shekinah glory, the presence of the Almighty, resided. What an exciting time to think about. We are going to the temple. We are going to enter the gate into the courtyard and get closer to the presence of the Almighty. We can't enter all the way in, but we're closer. See, man was getting closer. It was an exciting time. They had to have an animal sacrifice to enter that gate. Well, enter his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto Him and bless His name, for the Lord is good, His mercy is everlasting, His truth endureth to all generations. Notice, it stops short of the manifest presence of God. Enter His gate, enter His courtyard. But they could not enter the holy place or the most holy because they were unfit to do so. Only the priests who were prepared could enter into the holy place and only the high priest could enter into the most holy place. But the others had to stay outside in a courtyard where they would be ministered to, where their sins would be forgiven and remitted. Well, not totally remitted, but forgiven and covered. Well, beloved, they had to bring an offering. It was a sacrifice because they had to either pay for it or sacrifice one of their lambs from their own flock or whatever. So they had to go there with a sacrifice and take that sacrifice and offer it up to God. There was a literal, physical something that they had to bring before the presence of God and offer it up to God as a sacrifice. Well, look at First Chronicles 16 and verse 29. Likewise, we are to come before the presence of God as we assemble ourselves together As a body, as a family, or as an individual. And we are to offer up something to Him. To give Him something. As an act of our service to God. Now you remember, we are to bear the presence of God. We are to stand before His presence. And we are to minister or to give something to Him that He is worthy of. But we don't have animal sacrifices. Aren't you glad you didn't have to bring a pigeon with you today? How many of you are glad? Can you imagine that thing being in your automobile? Can you imagine that? Goodness. Then can you imagine being one of the elders having to take those pigeons out there somewhere? And before you can enter into the gate, we've got to kill them and take their blood and do all this. Can you imagine being a part of that mess? You wouldn't be in a suit this morning, I tell you right now. Well notice this, verse 29 says, give unto the Lord the glory, do his name. It doesn't say give him a pigeon, a bullock, a lamb, a heifer doesn't say that. Give unto the Lord the glory, do in his name. Bring an offering. Did you bring something in your car with you this morning? Did you bring strife and division? Or did you bring murmuring and complaining? Did you bring the blods with you this morning? Did you bring something with you this morning? It says, bring an offering. Come before Him. Worship or minister unto the Lord. That word worship actually means worth And what it means is... To give Him the worth He is due. Since He is worthy, then give Him what He is worthy of. So come before Him, give Him what he's worthy of, bring an offering, worship Him in the beauty of holiness. Well, He is worthy to receive something from us. And why is He? Look at the book of Revelation, chapter 4. In the book of Revelation, chapter 4. And verse 11, see, we sing these songs, but sometimes we don't take the time to meditate what we're doing. The Father God is worthy to receive something from us, and that's the honor and the glory that is due His name. Why? Verse 11 says, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory, honor, and power. Well, if we're to give glory, He's worthy to receive glory. Did you come with the intention of giving something to God this morning? See, sometimes we come just to receive from God. But beloved, if you want a key to receiving from God, always be in in the right frame of mind saying that I'm going to give something to God. You give to God, you receive from God. And when the giving of that offering from the Spirit is genuine, you will receive from God. You'll receive whatever you need from Him. You think about it. If someone gives you something, don't you have the tendency to want to give them something back? Well, imagine giving to God. How much He has to give back to us. You give to Him service. You minister to Him. He'll minister back to you. And we'll see that in a minute. He is worthy to receive glory, honor, and power. Why? Because you've created all things. Isn't that what Psalm 100 said? He made us and not we ourselves. And for your pleasure, they are and were created. I was created, you were created for His pleasure. That's why He made us. We didn't make ourselves. We are to please Him with our lives. What about Jesus? Is He worthy to receive honor and glory? Well, read on. And I saw on the right hand of him that sat on the throne a book written within and on the backside sealed with seven seals and I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice who is worthy to take the, to open and the book and to loose the seals thereof and no man in heaven nor on earth neither under the earth was able to open the book neither to look thereon and I wept much because no man was found worthy to open and to read the book neither to look thereon and one of the elders saith unto me weep not behold, the line of Judah the root of David hath prevailed to open the book and loose the seven seals thereof. And I beheld and lo, in the midst of the throne and the four beasts and in the midst of the elders, for the Lamb as it had been slain, having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God, sent forth into all the earth. And he came and took the book out of the right hand of him that sat upon the throne. And when he had taken the book, the four beasts and four and twenty elders fell down before the Lamb, having every one of them harps and golden boughs full of odors, which are the prayers of saints. And they sung a new song saying, Thou art worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof. For thou wast slain and hast redeemed us to God by thy blood out of every kindred, tongue, people, and nation, and hast made us to our God kings and what? And priests. And we shall reign on the earth. Now listen carefully. Jesus is worthy to receive. Why? Because he loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. He redeemed us. By His blood and made us kings and priests to God. Therefore, He is worthy to receive something from us. He is worthy to receive something from us. The Father is worthy, worthy because He has created all things for His pleasure. He is worthy to receive something from us. You and I will be a part of this heavenly scene, beloved. This is not something that has taken place yet. In Revelation 4.1, it says, After this I looked, and behold, a door was opened in heaven... And the first voice which I heard was as it were of a trumpet talking with me which said, Come up hither. That's the rapture of the church. That's the rapture of the church. That hasn't taken place yet. That scene is going on as far as the beasts and the elders and the redeemed that are up there worshiping God. But this event that's going to occur, beloved, is going to take place while we are there. And we'll be on that side. We're going to join this company of individuals in verse 11 doing this. And I beheld... And I heard the voice of many angels round about the throne and the beasts and the elders and the number of them was 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands of thousands. Can you imagine that multiplying that out? How many that involves? You think it gets pretty good when just 500 people just join their voices together and worship God. Can you imagine? That's just the angels now. Are you ready? Sing with a loud voice. Worthy is the lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing and every creature can you can you number that every creature which is in heaven and on earth and under the earth under the earth you know the devil's going to say Jesus is lord to the glory of God the father did you hear that? Yes. The devil's going to have to admit it. Every creature in heaven, earth, and beneath the earth, and such as are in the sea, and all that are in them, heard I say, they shrunk in fear. Those demons didn't want to even get near Jesus. But they, one day, are going to proclaim that Jesus is worthy. Jesus is worthy of what? Blessing, honor, glory, power be unto Him that sitteth upon the throne, that's the Father, and unto the Lamb forever and ever. And the four beasts said, Amen. And the four and twenty elders fell down and worshipped Him that liveth forever and ever. He is worthy, beloved. To receive blessing, honor, and glory power. And so you see, that's why we're here this morning. Now look at John 4, 23 and 24. They brought sacrificial lambs and blood sacrifices to offer up to God. But that day was going to come to an end. And Jesus talked about the fact that that day would come to an end. And in these verses, He began to reveal what the Father was really looking for. In 4.23 of John's Gospel, But the hour cometh, and now is, when the true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit, not in the flesh, in the natural, with blood sacrifices, but in spirit. Their spirits were dead. Their spirits were not alive unto God. So their spirits could not be actively involved. As God would have liked. But the true worshipers of God will worship in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeketh such to worship Him. The Father is still looking for those individuals. He is looking for church bodies assembled together. Those who will dedicate themselves to be called true worshippers of the Most High God. Those who will bear His presence. You know, there are assemblies throughout the the, the world today where they do not bear the presence of the living God. Oh, they believe in coming together and having an organized religious service. But when it comes to the presence of the living God, so many do not expect God to appear on the scene. Beloved, I wouldn't be here if I didn't expect God to show up this morning. You wouldn't be here if you didn't expect great things from the mighty God that you serve today. Would you? I don't want an empty religion. You don't want a dead religion. We want a living God. Someone who cares for us. Someone who loves us. Someone who will reach out to us and manifest himself unto us. Somebody who has ears to hear and eyes to see. A voice to speak to our hearts. Who will direct our lives. Who will deliver us in our time of trouble. That's who we're looking for. That's what we're looking for. God is a spirit, verse 24. Jesus tried to drive that home, to drill that into their spirits. God is a spirit. And they that worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth. Beloved, why is God searching for those who will worship Him in spirit and in truth? Because He longs to manifest Himself among His people. It's his longing and yearning desire from the beginning when he fellowshiped with Adam to manifest himself among his people. He has always wanted to be there for them, to show himself alive, to affect them with his presence and his power and his grace and his love and his beauty. He's always wanted to do that. But because of sin, man was separated from God and lost that presence of the most high. Beloved, but I believe that when we begin ministering to the Father properly as we should, that His heart is stirred. I'm going to say that again. When we as individuals and church bodies come together and minister unto the Father as we should, when we are conscious of the fact that we are bearing His presence, and we stand before Him like we are here today, And we begin to minister unto Him, to do service unto Him. And offer up those sacrifices, giving glory and honor and blessing unto Him. When we do that, we stir His heart. Do you realize that? Do you believe that this morning? We actually touch His heart. We stir His heart. It doesn't matter how many churches are meeting, how many individuals at the same time. You stir the Father's heart. He's omnipresent. He can be everywhere at once. And manifest himself every word once. But that's what happens. His presence is sensed. It is felt among us. And beloved, sometimes it is even seen. Amen. I have seen the glory of God on numerous occasions. Amen. And I'll tell you this one time, ministering out in the open air, in an open air meeting. As we began to worship God and hearts began to, to come together. It seemed like the worship service began slow. And people were like, you know, just trying to get into it. You know, when you're out there in the open air, sometimes it takes a little bit longer for people to really get focused. And they were just, you know, just looking around and doing whatever and looking around. Finally, people began to realize, hey, something's going on here. We are worshiping God. And you can see as each one began to, to realize that and become focused, they joined in to become one voice, making one sound unto the Lord. And as this went on for a period of time, finally I just looked over to my right and I saw the glory of God standing. The glory of God standing over to my right, just out there in the field. And it was just resting right there. The wind was blowing. I thought it was a barbecue, first of all. Someone had a barbecue. You know, and the smoke from the barbecue was just but I saw that the wind was blowing, but the, 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 the you know the smoke wasn't going anywhere. Didn't it say that the smoke it filled the room like smoke? That it wasn't moving. And I knew, I looked again, it was still there, just standing. And all of a sudden, the third time I looked back over, it was gone. Just like that, it was gone. I knew we were in for a big time that night. You say, why? Because the Father was pleased. And let me say it to you like this. You minister to Him, He will minister to you. There's no doubt in my mind about that. And the Father was well pleased as He was being ministered to by the people. And the glory of of, of the Lord was revealed that night. And it was a glorious, glorious meeting. The power of God was made manifest. And I'll tell you... Lives were absolutely touched. Hearts were changed. People were weeping before God as His glory and as His power fell upon them and touched their lives. Well, look, if you would please, Acts chapter 13. Because I want to say in addition to that, that this is when things begin to happen. And this is when God really begins to minister to us and cooperate with us and things begin to flow. In the book of Acts chapter 13, these early Christians knew this. They were schooled in this. They were conscious of the function of the Levitical priesthood. They understood that order and system of worship. They were used to the power and presence of God appearing in those days gone by. And so they knew the value of ministering properly unto the Lord. In Acts 13 and verse 2, as they ministered, who are they? Barnabas and Simon and, and Niger and Lucius of Cyrene and, and all these others. And it says, and as they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Ghost said, notice, as they ministered, as they did service to God, as they joined themselves together, as they focused in on Him, as they gave Him the glory of His name, as they blessed Him in His presence, then the Holy Ghost said, revelation flows. Revelation flows. Revelation flows. We want revelation from God. We want direction to our spirits. That revelation will flow out of worship and true ministry unto the Lord God. And I believe just as it took place right then, it takes place whenever people will seek Him diligently and honor Him and bless Him and glorify Him and give the glory that is due His name. Things begin to happen. God began to minister unto them as they ministered unto Him. Look at Acts 16, just a few pages over. And you know the story. In verse 25, And at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed. Now notice before, it says that they ministered to the Lord, and what took place was God had revelation for them by His Spirit. Here we see, not revelation, but a mighty demonstration of God's power to deliver His people who are in trouble. And at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises. Or oh, they ministered unto the Lord. They gave Him the glory that is due His name. They blessed him. Now remember this, beloved, if, if you go back and put it all together, you see that they, Paul and Silas, were there bearing the presence of God, did they not? Were they not? The Ark of the Covenant was where? In them. Can I well, if we could just relate to this? Can you see this? In the Old Testament, when they were at battle, in battle, and they were in trouble, they brought the Ark of the Covenant, which represented the presence of God, and when they brought it, what happened to the enemy? The enemy was destroyed, confounded, and defeated because of the presence of God that they brought there. Well, beloved, here's Paul and Silas. They don't have the literal Ark of the Covenant as as they did back there in the wilderness, but they have the genuine presence of the Most High on the inside of them. And in that place of trouble and adversity, they prayed first and then began to minister unto the Most High God. They brought the Ark of the Covenant into the battle. They brought the presence of God. You go to God in prayer, you're taking your petition to God. You're going to God. But I'll tell you what, you minister to God, you're bringing God into your problem. And that's exactly what they did. As they ministered unto God, God became involved in their affair. They sang praises unto God and everybody heard them. And in verse 26, And suddenly there was a great earthquake. Because the presence of God was manifested. The power of God was manifested. There was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken. And immediately all the doors were open, and everyone's bands were loose. We can spiritualize that. You want open doors? You want loose bands? Praise God. Pray and sing praises unto the Most High God. Give Him the glory that is due His name and God will respond. As we minister unto Him, He ministers back unto us and gets involved in our affairs. And if you're in ministry, beloved, and we all are because we're kings and priests unto God and we're ministers of the gospel, write this down. The more successful your inner court ministry is, the more effective your outer court ministry is going to be. The more effective Well, the more successful and the more intimate your inner court ministry is in the inner court, you have access to the holiest presence of God, then the more effective and successful your outer court ministry is going to be. In other words, you get into the presence of God, you fill yourself up with God, and He ministers back to you, and you're filled up with His presence and power. Then you go and minister to people, whether you're ministering here or out there, anywhere. I'll show you that. Look at um, Matthew's Gospel, chapter 17. Matthew 17. Matthew 17. If you're in any kind of public ministry whatsoever, do not neglect this first and foremost ministry of all. Don't put the work of the Lord above the Lord of the work. Minister first of all to Him. And if you'll do that, then He will through you minister to others. So the more effective and the more successful your inner court ministry is, then the more dynamic your outer court experience also will be. And Jesus proved that. In Matthew 17, beginning at verse 1. And after six days, Jesus taketh Peter, James, and John, his brother, and bringeth them up into a high mountain apart, and was transfigured before them. You want transfigured? That word transfigured means to undergo transformation or change in character or condition. They were changed. And what actually took place, here was this. Jesus was always entering into the Father's presence. He was always setting himself apart to worship the Father. As a result, he was being transformed. He was being changed in his condition. He was filling himself up more with the presence and the power of the Father God. And the Holy Ghost was more actively at work in and through his life. And so he was undergoing change up there on that mountain, being filled with the presence, being filled with the power in the glory of God. As he was giving to the Father, the Father was giving back to him. On this occasion, the three went with him, and he was transfigured before them. His face did shine as the sun, his raiment was white as the light, and behold, there appeared unto him Moses and Elias talking with him. And then answered Peter, and said unto Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here, if thou wilt let us make three tabernacles, one for thee, one for Moses, one for Elias. While yet spake, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them, and behold, a voice out of this cloud which said, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased, hear ye him. And when the disciples heard it, they fell on their face and were sore afraid. And Jesus came and touched them and said, Arise and be not afraid. And when they had lifted up their eyes, they saw no man save Jesus only. And as they came down from the mountain, Jesus charged them, saying, Tell the vision to no man until the Son of Man be risen again from the dead. His disciples asked him, saying, Why then, say the, the scribes, Said the scribes that Elias must first come. And Jesus answered and said unto them, Elias truly shall first come and restore all things, but I say unto you that Elias is already is come already, and they knew him not, but have done unto him whatsoever they listed Likewise shall also the Son of Man suffer of them. Then the disciples understood. He spake unto them of John the Baptist. And when they were come to the multitude. Now they've come down from the mountain to the multitude. There came to him a certain man kneeling down to him. And saying, Lord, have mercy on my son. For he is a lunatic and sore vexed. And oft times he fall into the fire and oft into the water. And I brought him to thy disciples. And they could not cure him. Then Jesus said, answered and said, O faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you? Bring him hither to me. And Jesus rebuked the devil. He departed out of him and the child was cured from that very hour. What is that saying? Jesus got first transformed. Jesus got first transfigured. Jesus got himself aglow with the Spirit full of faith and confidence and power. It's like going up there on that mountain getting electrified with the power and the presence of the Most High God. That's exactly what he did. His inner court ministry was a success. And as a result of that inner court ministry, praise God, he was effective in the outer court. Outer court is where you go out there and you minister to the saints and then thoroughly to the world. And we all have that responsibility. To minister to one another. Isn't that true? And also to minister to the world, those that are without. How do we become effective in doing that? By first of all, fulfilling our inner court ministry. Daily, going to the Father until we are transformed, until we are transfigured with the power and the presence of the Most High God. And then we go forth. Beloved, I believe this. As we come into His presence, listen carefully. As we come into His presence, His presence comes into us. As we enter into His presence, His presence enters into us and changes us and transforms us. Amen. I believe as we give ourselves to Him, He gives Himself to us. I believe as we minister unto Him, He ministers unto us. And another scripture, Isaiah chapter 40. Let's read it in this light now. As you minister unto Him, He ministers unto you. As you give unto Him, He gives unto you. As you serve Him and do for Him, he, in turn, touches our lives with His power and His presence. All this is wrapped up in this one verse, Isaiah forty thirty one, that says, But they that wait upon the Lord. They that wait upon the Lord. They that minister unto the Most High God. They that bear His presence. They that stand before Him. They that minister unto Him. They that offer up the sacrifice of praise and thanksgiving unto Him from the heart. Those who worship Him in spirit and in truth. Who give Him the glory that is due His name. As they wait upon Him, there is an exchange. The word renew there in the Hebrew more literally should have been translated an exchange. They shall exchange or there will be a passing of. A passing of. We go to Him in our weakness. And we bless Him. Even with our human frailties, inabilities, shortcomings, faults, failures. And we say, Thou art God. We need You. I give myself to You. To bless You. To worship You. To minister to You. There is a passing on of strength. There is an exchange of strength. As we saw there on that mount of transfiguration. And what takes place is the power, the presence, the glory, the might, the character, the ability of the Most High God passes on to the individual. Passes on to the whole body of believers. As they wait upon Him, they are transfigured. They are transformed. They are touched with the power and the glory and the might and the majesty of the Most High God. And they walk away from that place electrified. Filled with the Spirit and the power and the glory of God. The inner court ministry. And then when they go forth, they do so with boldness. For He has become the glory and the litter of their heads. And they go forth in power, unashamed, to herald the gospel of Jesus Christ. Bold to proclaim that the name is above every other name. Standing against the powers of darkness. Darkness. Demons will have to flee. Sickness and disease must bow its knee, praise God, because they've been in the presence of the Most High God and they're not operating in their own strength any longer. But in the strength of the Most High, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Have you had an exchange today yet? See, has His strength passed on to you? They that wait shall exchange strengths. They'll mount up with wings like eagles. They'll run and not weary. And they shall walk and they will not faint. As we do so, beloved, we commune with Him. We absorb. I like that word. His strength. We absorb it. Last final scripture. Psalm 62. It'll bless your heart. It'll lead us right into what we want to do here this morning. Psalm 62. Verse 5. When you enter in this way, beloved, allow this to be the cry of your heart. My soul, Psalm 62, verse 5. Wait thou only upon God. My soul, wait thou. They that wait upon the Lord. Wait thou only upon How many of you know your soul wants to get ahead of God? But he is saying, my soul, wait thou only upon God. For my expectation, there's the key word, is from Him. To expect implies a high degree of certainty. It involves the idea of preparing or envisioning. It means to await the occurrence or the outcome of something. So, wait upon the Lord with certainty that as I do so, there will be an outcome. There will be an occurrence. Something is going to take place as I wait upon the Lord because I do so with great expectancy. I know that as I enter into the inner inner court, the most holy place, and I wait upon Him, and I minister unto Him, I know, I expect... How many of you know that your bill collectors expect you to make your payment? It's expected of you. Isn't that true? Well, beloved, we expect God. Not with arrogance. It's only right. You minister unto Him, I expect Him to minister unto me. I wait with certainty. That's what this is saying. My expectation, I am waiting with certainty for an occurrence. Something is going to happen. Something will take place. As I give to Him, He must give back to me. As I wait upon Him and give Him of my strength, He, in turn, gives unto me His expectation is from Him. You leave that place changed, prepared and equipped and ready to minister to others. In this place, beloved, which is the internal work of the church, we are to come this way. First of all, to worship and bless Him, to learn from Him through His Word, and to get so supercharged as we are in His presence that when we walk through those doors, we leave this facility... We are so on fire, we are so electrified, we are so filled, we are so overflowing with the strength, the ability, and the might of our God. Beloved, if you don't have a spring in your step, if you don't have something rekindled, a fire on the inside of your spirit to get out there and reach this lost and needy world with the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ, then something is, is wrong and lacking in this place. And that's why, beloved, as far as I'm concerned, it's time to get back to where when we walk through those doors again, we do so with tremendous expectancy. We believe the God that we serve will manifest himself in this place among us. He will demonstrate his power, his might, his loving kindness, his tender mercies. He will touch lives. He will change heart. He will transform us. He'll empower us. He'll equip us. He'll enable us. Praise God. He'll put words in our mouth that the enemy will not gainsay nor resist. He'll manifest His power through our lives that will heal the sick and drive out devils as we stand against the works of the host of darkness in this land. Amen. Oh, beloved, I believe for great and glorious and mighty things. I have great expectancy in my heart. I'd like our praisers and musicians to come back up here if you would, please. Thank you for listening to our Legacy Teachings.